News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. The Department of Media were told last October that the RTE Board's Remuneration Subcommittee were approving exit packages. However, the Minister, Catherine Martin, has said she didn't know that this subcommittee, or this subcommittee were approving these payments. What other revelations will we hear when the Media Minister appears before the Oireachtas Committee tomorrow? Joining me now to discuss this is editor of the Business Post, Daniel McConnell. Morning, Daniel. Good morning, Anton. Daniel, uh, uh, appears that a career hangs in the balance. Well, certainly her credibility hangs in the balance, uh, Anton, because she went on, she took a decision to go on Orti's primetime programme and essentially sack the chair of Orti uh, live on air um, based on the fact that she had been given misleading information or the wrong information on not one but two occasions. That was the claim from Catherine Martin. But I suppose what we were reporting yesterday in the Business Post and what has kind of come out in the last few days is not only was there a letter between Orty and the department, there was a phone call between uh, Shinny Rahley and uh, Catherine Licken, who was the Secretary General in Catherine Martin's department, the day or so after Richard Collins's exit package was agreed upon, um, and that that kind of got forgotten about. Um, we now know, as we again as we were reporting, there was this committee uh, meeting of the Public Accounts Committee where three officials, including Catherine Licken, sat there listening to Paula Maluli detail um, um, the, the 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 new the new uh, procedures within RTE. So they've either chosen not to um, remember or the systems, the reporting systems within the department are completely not fit for purpose because if the minister's claim is is to be believed, either her officials knew and didn't flag it up properly or she was deliberately kept in the dark. It's one of those two scenarios and neither one make her make her position um, all that good because she ultimately went out, um, took a decision to go out and basically expressed no confidence in the chair of RT, leading to her resignation three hours later based on what it now seems is uh, information that now is certainly open to a degree of scrutiny and you know there, there are large question marks over her version of events. And one of the, the challenges there has been throughout this entire saga back from uh, midsummer of last year has been trying to get people who are retired or resigned to answer questions. And in the instance of this matter, one of the key people is retired, that being Catherine Lick and the former uh, Secretary General. She is no longer Secretary General of that department. Do we know what prospect there is of her showing up in front of the committee? Well, the committee can appeal to her to come in as a voluntary witness, and this is often what we've seen as committees basically appealing to people's better nature and their civic duty, etc. Like that, but given the teeth, given I suppose the heat of the controversy, um, and given the fact that she you know, she did have this kind of pretty key phone call um, with Srini Rahali, would Catherine Licken be willing to kind of voluntarily go in? I'm not so sure. Um, obviously, in the wake of the Angela Kearns um, uh, row with the PAC, which has gone all the way to the Supreme Court, um, where the procedures of the committee were deemed to be kind of um, far from perfect, let's put it that way, um, you know, it has been very, it's been made very clear is that the only people who are compelled to go before committee are accounting officers, they're the secretaries general of the government department and notable other figures like ministers. And um, directors general and, of RTD. And directors general, exactly. Everyone else is sort of going in on a voluntary capacity. So the, the committees, unless they go down the route of seeking to compel anybody, but that's a very drawn out process. It hasn't, you know, they've moved to compel people in the past, but it takes a long time. They need the approval of the House of Roxas Commission. That can take weeks, many, many weeks. So um, I think they might appeal to her better nature. I think that the elephant in the room, all of this, Anton, I think a lot of these committee meetings could have been avoided had D4s decided to go in before the committee. A lot of this is done, being done in the vacuum that the, the now former Director General 
has refused to play ball essentially on the grounds that her health has been affected by the controversy, etc. Like that. Now, none of us know the ins and outs of her medical condition, but you know, seven or eight months later, we still have yet to hear anything from D Forbes, and that clearly is having an impact on the timescale of these committee uh, meetings because she's obviously the key player in a lot of the dis- controversial decisions that took place. And two, as well, that um, we have now been left in this situation where, in a scramble for information by both the media committee and the PAC, you know, we now have all of these other stories coming out and kind of frustrating episodes where people are either refusing to show up or they're not being very forthcoming with the information. Can we go back to the uh, issue that Catherine Martin has to answer in respect of her appearance on primetime? Because it strikes me, Danny, that either of two things applied there. Either she went on primetime with the intent of precipitating the resignation of the chairperson, which it strikes me is the most publicly cruel possible way it is to remove a chair. That could have been done in private and given the the Shuni Rahalig some uh, dignity in the manner of her departure. Or she did it by accident, which seems to be an extraordinary result for a cabinet minister to fire the chair of RTE without intending to. Yeah, and clearly the briefings coming out from government side and from Catherine Martin's side of the last 24, 48 hours or so is that, you know, she wasn't expecting the question from, from ah. Miriam I don't buy that for one second. Um, uh, so, like you say, she either went on with the deliberate intent and it's a very cruel way of, of ousting somebody. Particularly on the like, you know, her defence was, oh, we're, we're scheduled to have a meeting. I've requested this meeting on Friday, uh, the day after that interview in my office to basically kind of, because I'm not happy. Like, the, there was always a choice for Catherine Martin to say to Primetime, uh, I can't do this interview tonight because of ongoing matters or something has come up. Well, Primetime would have been annoyed, but they would have gotten over it. And I think it would have allowed Shuni Rahley uh, the chance, the dignity I think befitting of her standing in her office as chair of RT to go in and explain herself one more time. And I think a lot of this stuff would have been uh, kind of cleared up or or fleshed out uh, behind closed doors. There is a wider context to this, Anton. It's something that that has really kind of only come to light in the last few days. You know, know, Shuni Ratley's bib was not particularly clean when it came to Catherine Martin and uh, the spread and the sharing of information. Obviously, there was that episode around the nature of D Forbes' departure from the organisation last year when the minister was essentially kept in the dark. Now, that to me was an unforgivable oversight by the then chair and I think she only survived that particular incident because she was only just in the job and there was so much controversy going on they needed to kind of keep her in, in place but I did think she she did err on that occasion um, and I think probably there, I, to my mind the relationship between Catherine Martin and Shuni Rahley had all but broken down and ultimately there was an element of um, you know whether she m- mistakenly or kind of allowed herself get bounced into you know making a comment like that but it didn't whatever way you look at it Catherine Martin's performance on, on RT did not look particularly polished, uh, particularly credible. Um, in light of what the information, in light of the information that has now come out, you know, when I read it, when I saw it on first viewing, I said, "Well, this is a minister demanding high standards." She clearly has been misled, you know, fair enough. You know, you, you know, you're, she's in a difficult position. I wouldn't have necessarily gone as far as she would have done, given that the meeting was going to happen the next day. But in light of the, the all the information we know now to the interactions between RT and the department, I think her performance actually is more incredible the, the, the more you think of it. And the manner she allowed herself or willingly made the comments that she did, because she, she would have had to have known that what she said was going to make Shuni Rahali's position untenable. And we obviously saw the result of that at 10 to 1 on Friday morning when Shuni Rahali's resignation statement came out. It's an extraordinarily brutal way to remove somebody from their position. You you raised the, the concerns that the chair had around the D Forbes departure. This is obviously where Shuni Rahali subsequently apologised uh, for not having informed the minister that 
Lee Forbes' resignation had been requested. She similarly then apologised for not having informed the minister that Rory Coveney was in receipt of a package and for the confusion in respect of Richard Collins's package. The flip side of the latter too, though, of those, Danny, is what questions was the minister asking? Surely a minister, when they see that the director of strategy is gone out of RTE, would ask the question, what exactly were the terms of his departure? Likewise, when they are told a mediation process has completed in respect of the CFO, is it not a blindingly obvious question to say, well, what was the result of the mediation process? Now, Catherine Martin did say, I think she was on 6-1 on Friday evening, uh, she did say she was under the understanding that Rory Coveney's was a straightforward resignation, you know, that there was a bit of a shock to her that there was an exit package. But I, I, I that to me stretches credibility a little bit to me because given he left in the in the teeth of a controversy, clearly Kevin Backers had been out in the public domain and said, you know, there had been discussions between Rory and myself, etc. like that. So it, it would seem extraordinary that 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 belief or that understanding was as it was. Because you would have thought any any new boss going into an organization who with the remit of change knows they're going to be difficult position uh, difficult discussions are going to have to take place. And in the world of business and given Irish employment law, we simply we just can't fire people. It's not the United States states you know you generally have to get to a point where an exit package is, is put on the table it generally runs between one year and two years of salary in, in at the higher level that's generally the, the norm oftentimes they're subject to confidentiality clauses so none of this stuff is particularly new or unheard of um, but it does smack of someone again it goes back to the uh, Catherine Martin's handling of all of this from the get-go she has rightly stood accused of being hands-off and kind of not but, on but Danny go to the go to the second one whatever about the Rory Coveney one the second one in respect of Richard Collins if we look at the context where that occurred in the middle of September of last year the PAC announced that it was going to look at its legal capacity to open up confidentiality agreements that had been entered into in respect to the exit packages of RTE two weeks later or three weeks later the minister is informed that the CFO has has reached a conclusion of a mediation process to depart. How does she not ask, A, how much money, if any, was he given? And B, have you signed us into another confidentiality clause? That, absolutely. And I would have thought, given everything to do with Orchie and, you know, sweetheart deal since the start of the Ryan Tuberty thing, as in, from the Minister's office, would you not have been across every... Uh, I, you know, would you not want every I dotted and T crossed? You, so you're on top of every bit of detail because ultimately she's the one who's accountable not only to the cabinet but she's accountable to Dáil Éireann from a political perspective. And if you're operating in a vacuum of information, then then your credibility is certainly open to question. And um, so it does beggar belief. So and I, I these are the sort of questions I think committee members are going to pursue when she's in in front of them uh, tomorrow. I would hope the committee members can resist the temptation to just you know grandstand and look to you know just uh, kind of fire and brimstone what i'd much rather like to see is a a forensic uh, session where short questions no grandstanding short questions but sharp questioning of Catherine martin's recollection in relation to this because ultimately her office's response to our story yes it was uh sure this was a mere passing reference at the pac in october so how, how could any significance be drawn from it that just doesn't hold water that's not credible in the context of everything else that we know and also as well you know it goes to her her attitude and her 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 manner of handling this from the get-go when you know it was it was in April last year when the Business Post first reported that David McRedmond was out of the contest for the DEG which kicked off an extraordinary uh, meeting of the of the board etc which kind of was the the start of this the the, the kind of RT controversy it obviously ramped up significantly when the Ryan Toby aspect came in, in 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 into view in 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 June but her handling of this all the way has been hands-off 
you know, at arm's length at least. And she's certainly open to political questioning in relation to that. Um, however, I would say that if it got to the point last Thursday where she said, um, you know, I have no longer have faith in, in Shinny Ratley as the chair of RT, you know, there was definitely, she's open to criticism you know, for going on RT and doing it that way, I would have called Shuni Rahili into the, her office and he would have made it clear I'd no longer have confidence with you and handle it properly. And she is certainly open to that criticism. Daniel, thank you very much for your time this morning. That's Daniel McConnell, who is editor of The Business Post. Now we'll try to win you some money. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.